It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So how can we make this case? Well, one way we can do it is to point out to people that there's no essential difference between the embryos you once were and the adults you are today that would justify killing you at that earlier stage. Arguments cannot be religious or non-religious. Arguments can either be valid or invalid, or sound or unsound. The substance view is the idea that from when you come into existence of fertilization until you die naturally, you are the same individual at every point in your life. So if it is wrong to kill you now, it was wrong to kill you then. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Thinking, a Life Training Institute podcast in which we'll talk about the abortion issue and larger issues related to bioethics in a way that's winsome, reasonable, and persuasive. I'm Clinton Wilcox, your host, and I am joined by my co-host today, Aaron Brake. How are you doing, Aaron? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Nathan is not able to join us today, so we'll have him back with us next week. Now, we're advocates and voices for the unborn with Life Training Institute, whose mission is to equip pro-life advocates to graciously and persuasively defend their pro-life views in the marketplace of ideas and in our culture. We believe in the radical idea that it's wrong to kill innocent human beings, whether born or unborn, and we're here to equip you to defend that idea in a culture that celebrates a woman's right to choose. Now, before we begin the episode proper, I just want to take a quick moment to relate that I recorded an interview with Russell D. Silvestro a couple of nights ago, and we talked about his book, Human Capacities and Moral Status, and that was a great interview. If you haven't listened to it, then I would encourage you to go and check it out. Now, the topic that we have today is we are concluding our three-part series on the hard cases. And so today we're going to talk about possibly the most difficult case of all, when the life or health of the mother is threatened. So we're going to talk a little bit about health of the mother cases, and then we're going to go on to talk about whether or not abortion is permissible when the mother's life is threatened. So first we're going to start out with the health of the mother. And when we talk about health of the mother, it's important to remember that pregnancy, all things considered, is very safe. In fact, the NPR reports that while the U.S. has the highest mortality rate in the developed world, that rate is still 26.4 for each 100,000 live births. And that works out to fewer than 1% of all pregnancies actually being categorized as life-threatening. And now that's not to say that pregnancy is a walk in the park, because it isn't. And it does involve changes to the woman's body. These are changes that her body was designed or adapted to handle. Uh, In fact, Alan Guttmacher, who was a past president of Planned Parenthood, uh, acknowledged in a book he edited in 1967, uh, quote, Today it is possible for almost any patient to be brought through pregnancy alive unless she suffers from a fatal illness such as cancer or leukemia, and if so, abortion would be unlikely to prolong, much less save life, unquote. 
So still, while there are health issues which won't become life-threatening to the mother, but still pose a risk, even a high one during pregnancy, these health risks don't justify the taking of an innocent life. Uh, after all, if a parent has a severe, non-life-threatening illness and needs an organ transplant from his or her child, we wouldn't justify killing the child to give the parent the vital organ needed, even if there uh, will be health complications because of it. Only life-threatening situations can justify an abortion if, in fact, they justify it at all. And we'll talk about that now, and Clinton will get into more detail regarding life of the mother. But with regard to life of the mother, uh, Scott Klusendorf in his book, The Case for Life, discusses Dr. Thomas uh, Murphy Goodwin, who oversees the largest high-risk pregnancy clinic in the United States, uh, averaging between 15,000 to 16,000 births annually. And what Goodwin notes is that excluding cases diagnosed late in pregnancy, only one or two cases a year pose an immediate threat to the mother's life. And Goodwin writes that even women suffering from cancer can often be treated with chemotherapy, and the fetus tolerates that treatment. Yeah, and so when we talk about then life of the mother cases, we can justify the loss of life of the embryo based on a, a couple of different situations. And I'm going to talk about those in some detail because th these are difficult situations. And so since the the uh, developing unborn embryo slash fetus is a human being, part of the moral community, then these situations need to be treated with respect because whatever situation is is moral is a situation that that takes into consideration that the embryo slash fetus is a valuable human being with human rights and human value. And so uh, any situation that is going to be moral must take that into account. Now we can justify life-saving medical procedures in a life-threatening pregnancy just based on the situation of triage. Now triage is a situation regarding if two people are mortally wounded and the doctor can only save one, the doctor will save the person with the greatest chance of survival. In this case, the mother has a 100% chance of survival, so the doctor must save the woman, especially since in, um, in well, at least in every life-threatening situation I'm aware of, if the woman isn't saved, then the child is going to die anyway. And so in that situation, then, it makes the, the best sense to save the life of the mother. Even though the, uh, the losing the life of the uh, of the unborn embryo or fetus would be a tragedy as well. Now, aside from triage, there's also the situation of double effect. Um, double effect, of course, is is a moral point of view regarding. Uh, well, you, you hear it defended by religious thinkers, especially coming from Catholic traditions. But double effect essentially says if if two competing uh, two competing claims are at issue. How do we then morally resolve this situation? And so here we have two we have two weighty situations that are in conflict. We have the life of the mother, which is being threatened, and we have the life of the developing embryo or fetus, which we have to respect. And so even in life of the mother cases, the humanity of that embryo or fetus must be respected. And so in order for for an act to be justified by double effect, four conditions must be satisfied. The number one, there's the nature of the act condition. The act, the action must be either morally good or indifferent. Number two is the means end condition, that the bad effect must not be the means by which one achieves the good effect. And this is because the ends do not justify the means. 
Number three is the right intention condition. And this means that the intention must only be the achieving of only the good effect, with the bad effect being only an unintended side effect. And the bad effect, again, is the loss of life of the embryo or fetus. And then number four is the proportionality objection. The good effect must be at least equivalent in importance to the bad effect. Now, the standard case that we usually hear raised regarding life-threatening uh, life pregnancies are ectopic pregnancies, and those kinds of pregnancies are pregnancies in which the embryo implants somewhere other than the uterus, usually in the fallopian tube. Now, this is potentially fatal for the mother as the embryo will grow to be too big for the tube and the tube will rupture, causing the mother to hemorrhage. And there are a few different ways uh, an ectopic pregnancy can be resolved, and there, there is much debate about which procedure is the one that is ethical regarding uh, treating the embryo as, as a, human, a valuable human person, as a, as a patient along with the pregnant woman. One of those uh, is a drug called methotrexate. Now, methotrexate is a drug that inhibits the cellular reproduction in rapidly growing tissue. It is also used to treat some forms of cancer. It works by inhibiting the growth of the trophoblast, the forerunner to the placenta, and the embryo proper. This drug directly kills the embryo, uh, so this is not an option open to a doctor concerned with the ethical implications of his actions. Another way that we can resolve a life-threatening pregnancy is well, among doctors concerned with ethics regarding life-saving medical procedures, there is a debate over which procedure is the ethical one to do, since methotrexate is off the table. We have first what's called a salpingectomy. In this procedure, the section of the tube with the embryo inside it is removed and the embryo dies on its own. This is seen as satisfying double effects since you are not directly killing the embryo, you are allowing it to die on its own. This satisfies the second criteria where the bad effect, the death of the embryo, is not used as a means to bring about the good effect, saving the woman's life. Then we have salpingostomy, and in this procedure, an incision is made in the fallopian tube and the embryo itself is removed. This has the added advantage of preserving the woman's fertility. Now, saving the woman's life, in the case of ectopic pregnancy, satisfies all conditions of double effect. Number one, regarding the nature of the act. The action must be either morally good or indifferent. Saving the woman's life is morally good. Number two, the means end. The bad effect must not be the means by which one achieves the good end. The embryo is not directly killed, but dies as a result of the procedure. Number three, the right intention. The intention must only be the achieving of only the good effect, with the bad effect being only an unintended side effect. The intention is to save the mother's life, and the death of the embryo is foreseen, but not intended. Number four, proportionality. The good effect must be at least equivalent in importance to the bad effect. The bad effect is that the woman will die, and the good effect is saving her life. So the good effect is equivalent in importance to the bad effect. Now, methotrexate fails to satisfy the means-end condition because the bad effect, the death of the embryo, is the means to which the good effect is, or by which the good effect is achieved. You are directly killing the embryo to save the mother's life. Salpingectomy, however, satisfies all four conditions. The effect is morally good. The embryo is not directly killed to save the mother's life. The intention is to save the woman, not to kill the embryo. And the good effect is equivalent in importance to the bad effect.
Now, at first glance, it may seem that a salpingostomy, removing the embryo itself, directly kills the embryo so it doesn't satisfy all the conditions. However, Christopher Kayser argues that a salpingostomy does satisfy the means-end condition since removing the embryo from the tube is not an intrinsically evil act. Otherwise, we'd have to oppose removing it from the fallopian tube to transfer it to the uterus if such a procedure ever becomes available. So we talked then a little bit about the health of, uh, about health of the mother cases, and then we talked in more detail about life of the mother cases. Um, so we would just like to thank you for listening, and I'd like to thank Aaron for joining me today. If you uh, if you appreciated this episode, if you like the content contained herein, we would just ask that you share it around. Especially since life of the mother cases tend to provoke some confusion, we we feel that this episode will, will really help to clarify the, uh, a lot of the morality regarding. Uh, regarding life of the mother cases. And so as always, you can feel free to rate and review us on our Facebook page and also on iTunes now. Um, now, Aaron and I have a couple of events coming up. I'm going to be debating a right to die with Matt Delahunty, an atheist internet personality, on Friday, September 8th at the Bible and Beer Consortium in Dallas, Texas at 6 or 7 p.m. in the evening. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come on by. I'd love to see you out there. And uh, then a, a day or two later... In Houston, after my event in Dallas, I'm going to be recording um, a debate or discussion uh, on abortion with a local abortion choice person there in Houston on the Send Boldly radio program, which is hosted by Evan McClanahan. Yeah, August 13th, I'll be speaking via Skype to the Apologetics class Reason Why at Catalina Foothills Church in Arizona. I'll be giving a presentation on the case for life, and then that's going to be followed by some question and answer. Uh, so thanks again to Dan Grossenbach for inviting me to that. Yeah, so of course, come out to that if you're in the area as well. Now, uh, this is a weekly podcast that we have going, and it takes a lot of work to put together a podcast each week on top of all the other work that I do in the pro-life movement. As Greg Cunningham of, of Center for Bioethical Reform says, there are more people working full-time to kill unborn babies than there are people working full-time to save them. Now, I subsist off of donations from financial supporters. People like you keep me being able to do the work that I do. If you like what we are doing with this podcast and would like to support my work as a full-time pro-life advocate, you can go to www.prolife.com lifetraining.com and click on donate in the menu on the top. You can give a one-time gift or you can give a monthly gift. Just be sure to put my name in the notes section so that Life Training Institute knows to put your donation into my account. And if you'd like to donate to this podcast specifically, you can indicate that in the notes section also. Donations are also tax deductible. Now, next week, Nathan will be joining us again, and we're also going to be joined by Dr. George Delgado, and we're going to talk about abortion pill reversal. Uh, there have been some websites like Slate and others that have really called into question whether or not the abortion pill can be reversed, but there's very, very good evidence to suggest that it has. In fact, I've talked to a woman who has had the abortion pill reversed. And so uh, next week, we're going to talk to Dr. De Dr. Delgado about how the abortion pill reversal works and the specifics regarding regarding reversal of it. And so you're not going to want to miss that one. So on behalf of Aaron uh, and myself, I'd like to thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.